saw him in Comerica Park uh, last year. It was incredible. And I hear that song all the time. I think of my dad. Um, Father's Day is unique because for some of us, it provides mixed feelings. Some of you have seen on Facebook and social media, you put up a picture of you and your dad, and you just love them. You just got incredible memories with them. And for some of you, it's hard today because you missed your dad. He's not here anymore, and, and he was an incredible dad. And some of you have mixed reviews because your dad wasn't able to play the role that you thought maybe he should have or could have. And, and there's no way we can cover all that today, and we're not going to try. But we are going to try this to talk about the reality that it's a powerful opportunity to be a dad. It really is. Uh, I think Ann Getty said that anybody can become a father, but it's something else to be called the dad. And so for the dads here today, we love you. We appreciate you. We know it's not about being perfect at all, but it is about being present and being, being there. And so we appreciate you big time. My dad, growing up, I felt like I had like a dad from like a blue collar comedy tour, kind of a Southern guy. And uh, when I hear that song, it reminds me, of, it talks about the callus on his hands. My dad worked all the time in construction and concrete and things like that. And literally, we had a fireplace that would heat our home up until I was 15. That's how we heated the, uh, the home that I grew up in for a while. Uh, I feel like I'm painting a picture like I grew up in the middle of the woods <laughs> or something. But that's what we had before Forest Air back in the day. Um, and, uh, and he would, when the, coal, when the fire was out and the coals were there, he would literally be able to set one in his hand for a little bit. And he's like, he'd show us and like, we'd smile. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, this guy's crazy. Like, I can't believe he can do that, you know? And the chaos is on his hands. And, and he had statements for me all the time, like, son, don't be lazy. That guy right there is so lazy. He wouldn't, uh, he, if his pants were on fire, he wouldn't pee to put it out, you know? And he had these statements. I know, this is like blue collar comedy too, or statements. And he'd uh, do the one, son, you're going too fast. You're busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. Or uh, he goes, son, I hope you got some, some money, bud. I'm like, for what? He goes, well, he goes, you're going to have to hire an attorney to sue your brain for non-support when I mess up or do something. And he'd always tell me, if I didn't have my foot halfway up your butt, you'd never get anywhere in life. And he'd smile as if I was supposed to congratulate him for doing that, you know, thank him. But he also said, he goes, he would always tell me to the wall, I'm, I'm to the wall with you. And he'd say, what does that mean? And he grew up kind of in a rough environment, different. He provided so well for my sisters and I. And and he didn't grow up in a great environment and, and, and really tough. He was in a gang and all sorts of stuff. And, um, and they'd find a wall if they ever got in a fight and they'd get their back against the wall and they'd be all in. And he would always tell me and said, I'm all in. I'm to the wall with you. And I knew what he meant. Gosh, I got, my goal is to go five minutes into a service without crying. <laughs> One of these is like on my, on my goal, on my wish list. <laughs> Being here, I don't know why I'm doing this. Good grief. But I just, it meant so much because I knew this. I knew that he loved me. I really did. I knew that my dad loved me. He wasn't perfect by any means, but he loved me more than anything. So as we press into today, I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward first and uh, take our offering in. For if you're a guest here, you don't need to feel obligated in this moment. Many of you give online, and we thank you for that so much. And thank you because I always want to say this too, as you give, or maybe you're even thinking about giving, and I don't want you ever feel pressured, but we believe in what we do around here. We're not perfect, but we believe that we're on mission. We believe that Jesus Christ changes lives. And so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being generous. Uh, and for those that are considering giving, I, I encourage you to do so because you're helping make the mission go round. Um, and so thank you. And again, if you're a guest, we actually have a gift for you out in the hub. So I'm so convinced, though, that love is all through this idea of what a father is supposed to bring. Of all the things that a dad is supposed to bring, love is the greatest of it. Um, and I want to give you just some scripture to read uh, as we open up, because as we look to scripture, 
Like we see love riddled through there all the time. All these things that a dad is supposed to provide, he's supposed to protect, supposed to do all these things. But love is this mega macro theme that we see all through scripture coming from the heart of a father. And Paul says it like this. Paul says, here it goes. He says, here's what love is. Because John said that God is love. Like God is equated to like the ingredients. If God was like, uh, like in a box and you looked in the side of the ingredients, these would be the ingredients right here. Paul says, his love is made out of patience. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, and love never fails, ever. And then Paul goes on in Colossians, and he's saying, here's this connecting point, this God that's made out of love. For whatever your theology has been, for whatever way you've seen God, whatever way you've thought about God, maybe God seemed like distant, God seemed annoyed, he was that big crazy dude with a white beard, right, just smiting people, like crazy, like whatever version you've seen God, Paul's saying like just for a moment, forget those versions and listen to what actually who God is. Not only is he made up of patience, kindness, mercy, love, all these things, he's in love with us. You are always and dearly loved by God. He says, because of that, so robe yourself with virtues of God. Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy, which means set apart, there should be something distinct about us. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weakness of those who are in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been so graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. And if you find fault with somebody, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. Paul says at the end of the day, it's all about love. It really is. So you, you can grow in intellect with scripture. You can grow in intellect and study the church. We can be on mission like crazy. We can do all these things. And if we've missed love, we've missed everything. Really have. There's a story that I read in the Clarkson News. It was two years ago, and it was uh, one of the local daycares was here, and they were throwing this thing for dads. They wanted dads to come in. They're having like a dad day, celebrating dads. Dad, we're going to come in and hang out with the, these little preschoolers and kind of spend an hour with them and do what they did and, you know, learn what they're learning and just have just a moment. And, and a mom had emailed them, the supervisor, and said that I don't, you know, my, my little boy doesn't have a dad and uh, is there anything you can do? And the supervisor started thinking, and she emailed the Independence Fire Department uh, and said, is there anybody there, firefighter, to come in and just be a dad for a day? And so a firefighter said, I'll do it. And he showed up, and he was with this little boy, and this little boy was the happiest little boy you've ever seen in your entire life because he had, like, a dad for a day for a moment. This firefighter was there, and he ran through the playground with him, and he sat down at the tiny little table, those little chairs. You ever had to sit in those with your kids, and you feel like they're going to explode and burst any moment, you know? And, and he was coloring with them and hanging out, and, 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 it, and it hit me, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, this love that a father could bring, just the concept of a dad that's bringing love to a child changes everything. Do we know, Dad, seriously, the opportunity and gift? Anybody can father. You can father a child, Right? I almost used the word sire. So I was reading in the dictionary, I'm like, sire a child? That's crazy sounding. But, um, but to be a dad, to be called a dad, is something totally different. It's a sign of endearment. It's a sign of affection. And to be a dad is to bring love. And for us today, as we look at this, just a few thoughts 
uh, that if our aim is love, what are ways that we can offer love, that we can posture ourselves to bring love, that we can provide love? Can you imagine if we were a community and that people said about us, like they do crazy dance like your daddy, right? Like songs on stage and they do funny stuff and they, they have people, thousands of people that are running to raise water, you know, money for water in Africa and all this kind of cool stuff. But what if the biggest mark of who we were, like Paul saying the biggest sign of maturity was the way that we loved. And so this isn't just for dads. Like dads, today we want to honor you and affirm you, but I want to tell you that you have such a powerful position in your family to bring love, to be a conduit of love. And for all of us, for moms, for kids, for our community, and so we're just going to go through and just, just a few thoughts about love, ways to position ourselves. And the one thing that we see from those scriptures is that love is present. Love is present. Like you don't have to be perfect, you just have to be there. You just have to be present. Like for example, did you know this? These are just some stats that we pulled. That families who eat together three plus times a week, and I know this is hard because we, we're at, babe, we, we've, we've been trying this, haven't we? Sitting at the table, and, and you have those moments where it's good for like 30 seconds and things start going sideways, and you're, and you're looking there and you're like, you're, you're going to sit at the table and you're going to eat the whole time. And, you know, and, and my one son's like, well, what if you do if I'm going to move? I'm like, I'll tackle you, you know. And we're going to sit here and you'll sit here till you rot and eat this food. And it's like, and Maria's like, Jeremiah. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to make this family dinner special. She's like, you're ruining it, you know, so... But we're trying to do this, but the stats say this, that families that do this three plus times a week are less likely to be overweight, more likely to eat healthy food, perform better academically, less likely to engage in risky behaviors like drugs, alcohol, sexual activity, have better relationships with their parents. In fact, Journal of Adolescent Health says this, more frequent family dinners are related to fewer emotional and behavioral problems, greater emotional well-being, more trusting and helpful behaviors toward others and higher life satisfaction, all from eating together, being present. And this is hard because sometimes this doesn't always allow us to be present, does it? Like, I mean, in fact, they've done research on this too. The same journal um, discovered that, that this generation raising up is low on empathy. And why? Because they're so consumed looking at digital devices there all the time that they're in proximity. Have you ever been next to somebody, but they're not present and you're talking to them? You know, and you can tell them something like, yeah, yep, yep, and hey, yeah, your hair is on fire. And they're like, okay, yep, yep, no problem. And they're like just there. And the proximity is close, but the presence is absent. It's not really existent at all. And this reality of being present is a huge deal. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be present. When we lived over on Almond Lane, um, uh, property, the first like home we moved into in Clarkston, uh, we were there. And we had, for whatever reason, our garage it was just like the whole thing was like on a slab. And so we had snakes all around this property. There was like a swamp behind us. And every spring around the garage, there'd be tons and tons and tons of snakes, you know. And so we'd go out there and we'd try to get rid of some of them. We'd grab them and throw them, you know. And, and one day the boys were out there and all of a sudden I heard this blood curling scream, Jeremiah! It was Maria screaming. And I'm like, oh my gosh, in my head instantly, I'm like, dude, one of the boys got hit by a car or, you know, they got crushed in the garage. I don't know why dads, our, our minds go crazy, you know. And I run over and I see it's the, it, it's, they're yelling about snakes and I have like a garden hoe in my hand because we're weeding and stuff in the front and I'm running and all of a sudden I, I, I start running over there and I've got this thing and I'm thinking like, this is going to be a crazy moment. I'm going to kill these snakes, man. And I'm just, I'm running as fast as I can and over there and there's like the, our neighbor is this older guy next door and he's always like, what is this guy doing, man? And I'm running there and I see and I come around and I'm like, boom, and I hit the one thing and its head pops off and blood goes over and I swear it was like right out of the movie, man. I felt so sweet. And I, dads, I'm telling you, I turned this one and I'm like, boom, and I hit another one and I missed it and I went, boom, again, the boys are yelling and Maria's like, Jeremiah, you know? And finally I realized I killed both of them and the boys were like, yeah, 
this and we're just like celebrating. And I love this moment. I know animal activists right now are like, you are disgusting, you know. And I, it was like this crazy moment. It, was that the perfect thing to do? Could I have grabbed a stick and picked them up and thrown them out? Probably. But that was more dramatic and that's what needed to be done, you know. But that moment of being present, like we remember that, we think about that. And it wasn't perfect, but it was being present in that moment. I love what Jesus says. He says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I will be with you always till the end of the age. Our human hearts and souls more than anything need love. And one of the greatest ways for love just to be there is that, just to be there. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be present. Like just be, just be with your family. Just be with your community. Middle there. This is what unconditional love is all about. It really is. Never forget, I think about my dad worked a lot of hours. A lot of people say that their parents worked a lot of hours. My dad really did. And uh, I remember my high school graduation, he was running a little bit late, and I saw him show in the very back of the auditorium, and he got there. And he was in his legitimate blue-collar, like, outfit from GM. And I saw him, and he just gave me kind of a wink, and I smiled, and I felt so affirmed in that moment. Even though he was late, and... He wasn't like the other dads right up front and cameras and stuff, but I knew how much he loved me because of his presence. Was, it, was he always perfect? No. I'm telling you, there's something about love. Just being present changes everything. There's a quote that C.S. Lewis has, because some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, it's too late, or I've messed up, or I've made mistakes. And I, I love, I want to show this quote. I swear I have one. Uh, it says, you can't go back and change the beginning. It's like this truth. He's helping us just get out of the denial but you can start where you are and change the ending. I love that about love. To love, there's always another chapter. To love, something can always be written. With love, there's an opportunity to change and do something, and you may be ready to give up and stop, and I'm telling you, keep pressing forward. Keep moving forward, because love is not done. Love, it believes all things, right? It pursues all things. It, it, It doesn't stop. It keeps going. It's present. Love forgives. I love this one. Love forgives. Every time is like the first time. Love forgives. This is hard, like offering forgiveness to your kids when you have littles. Like we have lots of little kids and here all the time. We have a couple hundred kids almost every weekend that are like kind of cruising around, hanging out. I said this last service and by that because I had moms freak out. They're, they're safe and secure. They're in the back. They're not like roaming the hallways or anything. Uh, but they're there and like kids make mistakes, man. Like kids spill Cheerios. Kids do things. And I grew up in a house where like my, my parents were like, if I've told you once, I've told you that was your cue, a little bit better next time. Just kidding. So I love you. Um, and like that was always there, man. Like love not only was present, but love forgave. And it's hard to forgive sometimes. It's easy to get frustrated, isn't it? When your kid messes up and you're like, what are you thinking? Were you even thinking? What's going through your head? Why did you do that? Did, you know, and we, anybody else's parents get riled up a little bit like that, right? And you're supposed to offer love because love is supposed to forget. Remember, love, Paul says, love keeps no record of what? wrongs. It not only forgives, but it forgets. It moves it back. It's offering freedom through forgiveness, and then it's, it's, it's forgetting it. It's like, don't worry about it. And so every time it happens, it's like, hey, remember when I asked you not to flip over your mac and cheese like 47 times ago? We can't do that. We're not supposed to do that, you know. And, and you're supposed to offer this posture of forgiveness, but it's so hard to do. For Marie and I, I would love to tell you, like, we're like sweet parents. We're amazing. 
We're not. I mean, she's really, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm like terrible, man. Seriously. But both of us had admitted we're like not great at this parenting thing at times. And so we follow this guy named Kirk Martin. I would encourage you to do it. Really free commercial. If you're a parent or you're thinking about parenting or you're grandparenting and you're super engaged, celebrate calm. Guy's amazing. And he really says it's all about celebrating the calm, not in your kids because that ship sailed. Like if you have kids, it's chaotic, right? But it's actually celebrating the calm in you. And like we're sitting there and we're realizing, we're like, we need to continue to forgive and offer forgiveness again and offer forgiveness again. And doing that because that's what was beginning to model to them. And I stop and I just consider this like, like this is a big deal. Like some of us are not offering forgiveness to our kids. We're frustrated, we're upset with them. And as the more we begin to do this, we begin to kind of create an image in it because believe it or not, that our kids are getting their image from who we are. Are we angry with them? Are we upset with them? Are we frustrated all the time with them? Or are we being calm? Are we offering this posture of just like total forgiveness to them? I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I don't know why I did this, but I did. I, I got, uh, showed up with my dad. We're going to see my dad in a little bit. And I showed up at his house. We we're going to like do dad's day over there for a little bit. Uh, and then we usually go for my father-in-law's house afterwards. We kind of like split it up. And I got there and I called my dad just for a joke. And I said, hey, I said, man, dude, I just got your house and somebody ran into your garage door. He goes, you're kidding me. And he goes, no, I'm like, it's all smashed up. And so he showed up and I'm like, I'm just kidding. He goes, son, we called the police. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I'm like, why would you do that? I'm a dork, you know, I don't know. And I just messed with my dad, but it made reminded me and I thought of, I did do something super stupid. When I was 15, I, I had, I'd made a huge mistake as a kid. I shoplifted and uh, I, I stole shoplift from Myers. I got in trouble. I called, my dad was out of town. I called from the police station and I said, dad, I am like, like, so sorry, I messed up. And he said, well, we're in South Carolina with your mom and your aunt, and uh, we get back in four days. We'll see you then. And he hung up. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. I literally burst into tears <laughs> in the police station, you know. And then I'm like, pull it together, pull it together, be tough, be tough, you know. Uh, in that moment, and, uh, and next thing you know, he called my aunt. My aunt came and got me. And I saw my dad a few days later. And when I saw him, I thought he was going to go crazy. I thought, this is it. And he sits down, he's really calm. And I'm like, oh, this is what they talk about, the calm before the storm. These are the moments flashing before my eyes, before my death, right? This is what's going to happen. And, and it wasn't at all. He told me he was disappointed in me. He gave me consequences. He told me he loved me. And he left. And I'm like, I don't know who that guy was, but it wasn't my dad. But he was celebrating this calm. He was offering forgiveness. And you know what's crazy? He never brings that story up. He never brings it up. He never throws it in my face. He never hangs it over my head. He never says, remember that one time? And he doesn't do that at all. And I'd say for a lot of us, like our kids, because our kids are who they are. They're growing and they're maturing and they're incompetent in different areas. And are we letting love breathe this concept, this truth of forgiveness through us? Are we letting it kind of move through us to where they can actually feel safe and say, screwed up? Are we the first people they're going to come to when they mess up or they're hurt or they've made a mistake? Or are they so afraid of us because of the way we've responded with disappointment and disgust and we're upset? And Paul's saying like love, it's always present. Love, it forgives. It's not that it doesn't offer consequences, but it forgives and it begins to forget and remove. Love does this too. Love sees the best and love speaks the best over us. I love that. Love sees the best and speaks the best. Cody Wilson and I were texting, and he's over at the Orient campus, if you know him, and he's a great guy. And, and we're texting back and forth, and he says, man, he goes, this question I'm going to use, and I, I want to use it too. And he says this. He says, if your kids become what you called them, who would they become? Stop and think about that. 
If your kids became whatever you called them, who would they become? Troublemaker, that was dumb, can't believe you did that, so upset, I mean, whatever we're saying over them, whatever we're seeing in them and speaking over them, that's what they would potentially become. Or are we actually seeing and speaking the best in their life, helping them become a world changer, helping them become an influencer, helping them become the very best that God has for them? And often in parenting, I, this sounds crazy, but the reason I think as parents we get so upset, like, and when your kid has a meltdown, it's never in your house. Maybe it is a little bit, but it's usually like coming here in the lobby. It's in Kroger. It, it, it's in public, right? And you're trying to get a hold of your kid. And you're not even, your kid's not embarrassed at all because they're just flipping out and they're cool with whoever's there, right? That's, they're, they're not worried. They're like, I'm just going to melt down. I don't care who's here, right? They're just going to go for it. But who gets embarrassed? We do. And we begin to get upset and get mad and we begin to, you better stop, you, I can't believe you're doing it. You're saying, I would never, I just saw you say that out there to your kid. I'm just kidding, right? Like we do that. We, do, we get so upset because we're so embarrassed how they're gonna make us look. Like it's them that's gonna kind of reflect in our identity and that's not the case. God's saying, you're the, your kid's gonna melt down. Your kid's gonna make mistakes. You're gonna have to be present with them. You're gonna have to offer forgiveness to them consistently. You are gonna have to see the best in the worst moments and you're gonna have to speak the best in their life too. Like that's our responsibility to do that. Proverbs says that life and death, it's in the power of the tongue. Like what are we seeing and speaking over our kids? And I know some of us can feel guilty because we're like, man, we haven't said the best. We haven't been seeing the best. And our children and, and others, we haven't done that. I know my son, Caleb, we were, uh, he, had, he had transitioned from Oakland Christian to Clarkston Elementary. And for whatever reason, that transition was hard. He was having a difficult time connecting and getting plugged in and stuff like that. And so Maria thought there was like a Greenfield Village trip that I was supposed to go with him on. And she goes, you really need to be there. And really, I was there to kind of try to like help him, like not say anything he wasn't supposed to say and stay in line. And that was my role, my job, right, to do there. Uh, and and I, I wish I could tell you that we were perfect in parenting that way, and we weren't. We, we didn't really do the best job, honestly, for that year. We were frustrated with him, and we made mistakes. If you're a parent here, have you ever felt like that, where you just keep making one mistake after another, and it keeps going? There's two of us in there, so we can start a club, okay? So the rest of you, you can teach the course. And so, like, we... <laughs> just kidding. I got to quit taking shots here. Oh, I love you guys. But I, it wasn't. I just, I would, I really wish I could tell you, like, we're awesome. And, and we made mistakes and we've had to apologize and really have. But I show up there for the trip and they gave us like a sheet of paper, right? And the teachers did a great job and it had, you know, all the chaperones and the kids that were going to be in the group and everything. And uh, it was all there. And so mine was handed to me and all the kids were getting in this group and that group and that group. And all of a sudden I see my name on it and I see one name under it. And it's just Caleb. And the teacher kind of looked at me and she said, you know, some of the other kids didn't want to be with him right now. And, and in my moment, my heart like broke. And I think I realized in that moment, my job was not just to course correct and to discipline. And to, I mean, yeah, that's part of it. But my job in that moment was to see the very best in my son. It was to speak life over my child in that moment. I looked at him. I said, dude, are you ready? We're going to have an incredible day. I don't, do you remember that day, Maria? I remember just sending you pics like crazy. and like, well, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to give you a tour of Greenfield Village. Like you've never had one before. Uh, it's going to be incredible. And I remember I grabbed him when we took off and all of a sudden the teacher's like, sir, we're not ready to leave yet. And I'm like, like, okay. So I run back. And, but there we were there the whole day and it was amazing, man. And I think I saw into his pain for a minute because as we got ready to get in the group, one of the kids because kids are like this. They say mean things. They looked at Caleb and they said, look at Caleb, he's a loner, he's all alone. I said, you're not alone. 
I'm with you. And I wouldn't want to be with anybody else in the entire world than you. I'm so proud of you. I think God just took that moment and he permeated in my soul. He's like, hey, your role, your role is to do a lot of this little stuff. But the big stuff, the big stuff is to see the best in your son. It's to speak life over him. Like Jeremiah, before I gave you that child, like I created him in my heart and my mind. I breathed life into him. I spoke destiny over his soul. I'm the one that created him and has dreamed for him and has believed in him throughout eons of time. And now I'm entrusting you and I want you to stoke that fire. I want you to see the very best. I want you to speak life. Call out his gifts. Call out his potential. Call out his destiny in his life. And I think as dads, as parents, this is our opportunity to do this. Love does this. Love it's present. Love, love forgives. Love sees the best and speaks the best. I love this one. It's why we do even fun stuff like we did today. Love laughs. Say, what do you mean? God is a God of joy and laughter. I think so many people feel like God's like super serious and only can do this. And you know, like God, man, like he likes to cut loose and laugh. He's a God of laughter, a God of joy. In the book of Zephaniah, it says that he literally sings praises of joy over us. Look at this in the very beginning in Genesis, it says this even. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Speaking of her son Isaac, said, In my child, like I've understood and get laughter. God has made laughter for me, and everyone who hears will laugh over me. Like, are we fathers? Are we dad dads? Are we dads of joy and laughter? Are we dads of like, we're serious, we're no fun, we're not, I mean, we're just everything's rules and regulations and you better and da, da, da. It's like, man, that's not cool at all. Like nobody wants to be around that. I think that's often why the church has got it wrong about describing God. He's a God of laughter and of joy. And I stop and I think about this is a big deal. Our boys, like we have serious moments. We have come to Jesus moments like everybody else does, parenting in your house, and I can't believe you did that. But we try to have fun and we goof around. And a couple days ago, we were making, they were making paper airplanes and we were throwing them all through the house and it was around dinner time. And one paper airplane kind of made its way over like by the stove, man, almost caught on fire. And Maria's like, get the boys over there. So we, we put the airplanes down and we picked up a football. <laughs> Probably not a good exchange. So we're throwing the football back and forth. And my son, Isaac, man, he's like, he can throw the football really straight and good, man. He's like, I, my, my, uh, my brother-in-law is super into sports and he, he, I don't know squat about sports, man. I should. So like anytime like the boys do anything great, you're like, dude, that's amazing. And Isaac throws the ball so good. And when he throws like a really good pass, he does this. He's like, he just, he, 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 what is it called? The, I always say orange Julius and they're like orange justice, dad, whatever it is, some kind of dance, you know? And so he'll throw it or throw a good pass. And he's like this, dude. He's like, he's still like a little five-year-old man. And I'm like, we're going back and forth and it's awesome. And, and, you, and my wife goes, no more throwing. You're going to knock stuff over. And I'm like, okay, no problem. And I tell the boys, one more throw, you know. And so like he just chucks it and it's not a great throw this time. And it whiffs over and hits two cups of ice water. And Maria like, goes, cheer on my own. I'm like, oh boy. And I look at the boys and I'm like, don't laugh, dude, or we'll get, we'll get killed, you know, in this moment. And she's mad and we clean up the ice water. We had to go get towels and everything. And she ran upstairs. And right when you made it upstairs, we all started laughing real bad. We weren't laughing at you. We were laughing with you and in the moment, you know what I mean? And we're just dying laughing in that moment. And I just, it was like so joyful with our boys. It was just amazing just to stop and, and to do that. And, 
And I don't know what you need to do. And if you haven't had joy or laughter in your house in a while, I'm telling you, laugh. Do something. Oh my gosh, we just went to the Jim Gaffigan uh, thing down at the Fox Theater. I think, I think the Rotiers are back there. Was that not the funniest thing in the world? I was, I was laughing so hard. I had to like, my back was hurting. It was crazy, but it felt so good. I'm promoting Jim Gaffigan like wild right now. I don't know why, but anyway, he's a super funny comedian. But just his laughter feels so good. And I would say like bring joy in your home. Like love laughs, but love doesn't just, it's not just present. Love doesn't just like forgive. Love sees the best and it speaks the best. Love laughs, but love does this. It unlocks legacy. I love Jesus because he just, he's the master at creating legacy. Like think about it. He hung out with 12 people, pretty much, his core. Three of them really close. There's another 72, but for the most part, these 12 and really three guys and the world radically changed because of it. I mean, just stop and just, ever, if you ever do, just stop and just think about that reality of what Jesus did. He came in and he created legacy. And I would say this, like expect more. When you're thinking of love, expect more with love, really. Like Jesus looks to his disciples and he tells them of all the things he's telling them before he leaves the earth. And he looks at them and he says, listen, I got something so important to tell you. This love that I've shown you, offer it to people. You know what I mean? Go make disciples, do all this. He goes, but I'm going to tell you about your destiny, about your legacy in this mission that we're doing in this earth, that you are going to do greater things than I even did. And I can't imagine the disciples that are like, what? Me? Us? Greater than you? And Jesus is like, yeah. He goes, Peter, you're, it's going to be unthinkable what you're going to do. John, you're going to write these letters, and they're going to be read by millions of people, and they're going to transform lives. It's going to be incredible. Like, you, you guys don't even know what you're going to do is going to be greater than even the things that I did in my own life. And Jesus says this, and a lot of people think, like, that's crazy that Jesus said it, but you know what? He said it, and it, be, it, it happened. Like, when we think of our kids and we look to our kids, are we letting love unlock legacy? I just, I stop, and I, we're in Florida a couple months ago, and we were riding bikes down the beach, and, and Isaac, our youngest one, had to ride like a bike, and so he was going super slow, and so Maria was doing an incredible job. She was just kind of staying with him and helping him, and Caleb and I kept racing and racing, and we got really far up, and then we stopped, and I looked at him, and I, and, and I just said, dude, you're awesome. You're so fast on this thing, man. It's like unbelievable, and, and I, I don't know why in that moment, begin to speak life. We're like by the beach, and it was beautiful out, and I'm like, you're going to do great things, dude. You're, you're a natural leader. Like, you're going to lead well. You're going to probably run a company one day. You're more intellectual than I am. Caleb, you're awesome, and I begin to realize, like, this, my legacy is not like what I do. My legacy is what I get to impart through my sons or your daughters, right, and watch what they do. Like that's the heart of a father is when love begins to beam with pride and it says, oh my gosh, what my kids do. Like you're going to do greater things than I could ever think of. Our heart as a community should be like our children that are in K-Kids and Breakaway and Edge and young adults and all. Our, we should be dreaming for them and pouring into them and saying the love that we have for them is going to unlock a legacy inside of them. But here's the deal about love. That love if you've never experienced love, then you can't love. So how do you know? John says it. He says, we love because we were first love. The reason we can love is because God loved us first. He saw us and said, I love you. I'm crazy about you. Like, I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give my only son for you to die on a cross. Like, I'm, I'm so for you. There's a letter that we want to read to you today. In fact, we have it as a gift for you when you leave this place. 
because we want you to know something about love. Love is not about trying harder or being better or doing good. Like those are really cool byproducts of love, but love in itself is something that you experience. It moves, it breathes, it gives life inside of your very being, and then it flows out of you. John says, when you experience love, you're able to love. We first, we can even love because he first loved us. A pastor in 1999 in a smaller church in Ontario, Canada, it's, he, he wrote this love letter, but it wasn't him. He took scripture, literally. He went through all of scripture and he pulled out these moments where God, our heavenly father, is talking to you and I. And he's talking about how much he loves us. And it's amazing because you'll hear when we read it, as he put it all together, it's as almost if God wrote a love letter to you and I. In fact, he did through scripture. And as I read these words, I want you to know, these are not words that we're making up. These are literally like the words of God. These are literally words of scripture. This is God's breath, God's heart. This is God's soul as being, this is God's love toward you and I. And so as you hear it, imagine as if this was written because it was for you. It says, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know you when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me, you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You are not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who do not know me. I am not distant. I am not angry, but in the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than an earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father, your heavenly father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I'm your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand is on the seashore. And I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasure possession. I desire to establish with you all of my heart and all of my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. Why? For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all of your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain that you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you, even as I love my Son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact expression of my being. He came to demonstrate that it is revealed that he is the one that loves us. He says, I am for you, not against you. And to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death, the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything that I love that I might gain your love. 
if you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and always will be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love your dad, almighty God. Are you kidding? Like this is God. This is God. His love lavished and poured on you and I. I want to invite you in this moment just to stand with us as we sing this final song, Who You Say I Am, because it's God that gives us our identity, God that gives us love. He is the source of all love and all power in our life.